Hello and welcome to the Better Questions Podcast. I am here joined in the studio with the one, the only, Paul Brandis. Paul, how are you? Good, Matt. Thanks so much for having me in today. This yes. is awesome. So let me tell you a little bit about Paul. Um, I grew up with Paul. It was the seventh grade when I met Paul. I was awkwardly standing with my trombone because I was new <laughs> at Viking Middle School. Yeah. And Paul saw me as a threat. I did. That's because true. Because he was first chair at the time. Yep. yep. And it turns out you didn't have to be worried because Matt I, was I was very, terrible. Very bad at trombone. So I was better than Ryan Giarelli. Oh was my eighth. gosh, Ryan Giarelli. Yeah, Hopefully so. he's not listening. <laughs> he might Ryan, be. Ryan, if shout you're out, listening, man, we love you. Shout out to Ryan Giarelli. Um, Paul's one of my best friends. I've known him for uh, all through middle school and high school, and we've kept in touch. Went to college together, roommates, freshman year, and uh, best man, all the things. Yeah. Um, if I would have had a wedding, you know. I may have had a best man. You Paul. are married, but you didn't really have a wedding. We didn't. We didn't invite people. We were <laughs> did the whole living room wedding thing. But all that to say, love Paul. Paul, you're a pastor in Kansas City. Tell us a little bit about your ministry, your church. Yeah, okay. yeah, man. It's it's really awesome to be able to do this. I think one of the joys of our friendship, like twenty years at this point, is that God had it planned that we would be really in similar jobs, doing similar work, serving as pastors. And so to kind of get to get a journey alongside each other in that has been an awesome. So yeah, I serve as a campus pastor uh, at Christ Community Church in uh, Shawnee, Kansas. So we've got a few locations around the Kansas City Metro and that's the location I serve. And I've gotten to do a number of different things, uh, different churches, uh, including then also serving as the the chaplain at uh, our alma mater, Sterling College, the last three years before uh, returning to Christ Community. So um, had a chance to do student ministries, college ministries, uh, and now uh, leading, preaching, uh, serving as kind of like a senior pastor type role at Christ Community. It's an e-free church. And so, yeah, and uh, excited to be here to chat about a question today. Yeah. So. Yeah, so you're familiar with the podcast. What we do yeah. is we wrestle with hard questions and seek to ask better ones. So we're, I'm just going to start throwing at you some yeah. tough questions. And I, I've got a few questions that sort of fall on the theme of afterlife. So mm. heaven, hell, etc. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just going to throw one out there and we'll start sort of unpacking it. Question is this, how can a loving God send someone to hell yeah did uh who sent that one in did they was anonymous or? this was this one was an anonymous question okay there was a a, bo- a bunch sent by anonymous so we're just gonna yeah the other ones have names to them so we'll okay. get to those yeah yeah i mean it's uh how could a love how can a loving god send people to hell yeah it's a really it is a good question um and as I was chewing on it and knowing we'd be maybe talking about this question, I love the the hook of this podcast to to say, hey, that's a good question you're asking, but what's what's the question underneath the question? What might be the better question or what are some different angles? And so as I, I thought about that um, related to this topic and this conversation, one of the places my mind went was, uh, hey, where where is sin? Um, in relation to this question. So you have a couple of different components. You have God, 
You have one of his central or most important attributes, uh, the fact that God is love. We see that so clearly in scripture. I mean, literally God is love is first uh, John four, seven, right? Um, then we have the reality of, of hell, um, place of eternal punishment. Uh, but where is sin? That would be, that'd be one of the questions I would ask in response to this question. So kind of start there. Um, so I don't know if you see any connection there or yeah, where is sin in this question? Well, right. And even just the question of, um, why, why hell? Like what, why would it exist in the first place? And like, I remember I took a class on, um, Christian and Jewish relations and I listened to this rabbi and he said something that stuck with me. Um, he said in one of his lectures that after the Holocaust, the idea of judgment and wrath actually increased among Jewish communities simply for the reason of like, if you don't believe in hell as a Jew, then you're resigned to the notion that like Anne Frank and Hitler are going to receive the same treatment in the afterlife which mm. and, and again i'm not saying anything about yeah right right judaism right. or anything about that yeah. but just just the thought of yeah. the idea of like part of the character of god is that with love i mean what it, would he be a loving god without judgment yeah without consequence yeah. what do you do with a god who sees sin and just sort of it's fine right yeah, I think that's ex- that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, 100%. That's what I'm getting at yeah. with that uh, question to the question. Right. So it's like, I'm, I'm there. I'm with you. Like, God is love. Amen and amen. Hell seems difficult. Maybe I could say it yeah. that way. Um, but we have to sort of insert a question into that question around, hey, what's sin? Yeah. And, um, you know, <laughs> gosh, biblically, sin, the way I always – talk about it, um, kind of capture a few different biblical ideas with this definition, but sin is rebellion against God and sin is rebellion against God and his ways. It's a rebellion and a rejection of God and his ways. And it is the reason, I desperately believe this, sin is the reason everything wrong in your life, everything broken in this world, at its root, uh, it's, it's there because of sin. Now, not I mean, I listened to the episode you and uh, Zach did on suffering yeah, yeah, yeah. and we got to be really careful. Like, oh, there's suffering in my life. There's something broken in my life. It's because of a, a specific sin right. that I committed. And like, no, I'm not saying that. But the brokenness of the world exists because we rebelled against yep. God and his ways. We sinned. So it's like, okay, then to your point, right? What is, what is actually a loving response from God, is it to pretend that the broken, you know, what is what? I yeah. mean, maybe that's the better one of the better questions too. We we start with this question that has the components of God, love, and hell, uh, and I want to talk about hell. I think we should because again, it's in the question and it's a good question. But better questions related to that would be what is sin, and then what is a loving God's pr- right and proper response to that sin? And I think you're hitting on it. It's judgment. Judgment is that response, right? Right. Right. Okay, so this makes, I don't know if you want to jump into this this quickly, but like in that question too, I think we have to define hell. Like what is it? Oh gosh. I know, which is not easy. And like, yeah, 
you know, there's been a movement and it's not a new movement necessarily of, of sort of, um, the idea of Christians taking a universalist approach mm. to, I mean, really there's three, I think, major approaches to this. There's the universalist approach, um, that says either there is no hell per se, or that God will win everyone over in the end and all will be saved. Um, there's the annihilationist position that it takes. It's like, you just cease. Um, um, you're just, when you die, there's nothing, right? You're burned in the flame and you're just, there's no consciousness. Um, and, and there are actual, I would say within orthodoxy, like a lot of compelling cases to be made from scripture, not from tradition. Okay. Westminster confession. And even going back to the early church, I think, wouldn't hold that position necessarily, but from the scriptures themselves, I think there's a compelling case. Fudge. I'm not saying fudge. That's his name. Edward Fudge is an author who wrote uh, Into the Flame. Oh, I'm going to butcher Yeah, it. I think that's right. Or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And it's good. I mean, it's good. Yeah. He, he yeah. makes a really compelling case. Yeah. John Stott, C.S. Lewis. You can go back in time and look at certain thinkers who've had a similar yeah. view. And they get there from uh, uh, various interpretation of the text so that's the middle ground there's also the eternal conscious torment view but but if i ask you the question you're explaining to like a middle schooler what is hell yeah like what would you say well and i yeah i actually uh anchor more in the term eternal conscious punishment okay um would probably be how i would choose yeah which yeah probably be how i'd choose to describe it and maybe i said yeah the church i serve um is a evangelical free church i really like our statement of faith yeah um i'm a big fan of our statement of faith and so sitting here with a presbyterian uh, director of young adult ministry so uh, we've got slightly different uh, denominational traditions but uh, a lot of similarities in terms of how we approach theological questions and a lot of the sort of, you know, kind of big rocks uh, um, within doctrine, including this one. Um, but probably the EFCA, uh, we have a little more simplicity ar- around. I mean, our statement of faith is 10 articles, uh, each one of them about a paragraph long. And I know yeah. that uh, the the EPC has, uh, Presbyterian Church has some, uh, longer documents. We uh, love documents. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah, for sure. But a lot of, um, I mean, I think there. It's definitely true. EPC, EFCA similarities in wanting to major on the majors and minor on the minors. Yep. That's that's our language. Yeah. Uh, this, I mean, hell, hell's a major. Yep. <laughs> um, and uh, and so our our text uh, says eternal conscious punishment. Yeah. Uh, our statement of faith. Uh, and I'm in full agreement with that. Uh, yes, I am. While and, you know, being the first one to raise my hand and go, man, yeah, like that's a hard thing. Yeah. Um, and I think it, do, it, it sort of gets into, so I, I sort of named this initial question. There's components of God. There's components of God's love, then hell. But, but there's this key word in the question, right? Yeah. How could God, how could a loving God send? Mm someone to hell which is a that's an interesting word um because then the better question that i'd almost want to reframe is why is why is someone in hell Mm. you get in any of those views um i think universalism is outside of orthodoxy um 
uh, annihilationism is a really interesting conversation to have yeah. for sure. Uh, but I anchor more in, the, yeah. I anchor in the position of, and I would, co- I would too. Yeah. Um, Just for clarity. Right. Yep. Yeah. So, but again, with maybe annihilationism or, um, annihilation or eternal conscious punishment, you sort of have to go I, I to the send question. I want to say, let me ask you, why, why do you think someone is in hell? Why do you think they're there? And I think that's connected to, to sort of what we've already, a lot of what we already said around sin and judgment. Um, and I, I also very much subscribe to God's sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably the connection point, right? Well, right. Hey, we would say, that God is sovereign, God is in control. So there's he's he's actually he's sending someone to hell. But I don't I'd almost say to answer my own hopefully better question of why is someone in hell, mm-hmm. they're there because of their sin. They're yeah. there because of their rebellion and rejection of God and his ways persisting throughout the whole of their life on this earth, resulting in a uh, a sort of complete and total and persistent rejection uh, of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Yeah. It's like, that's why, that's why someone is, is in hell. Does that? No, that's really good. Yeah. The question that arises in me is I, I'm thinking as like the skeptic, because that's, that's often what I see in, in young people, the, why that position is so unpopular is they, they will often say things like, well, what about someone who, um, you know, just grew up in a, a religion that was completely different from Christianity. How could God not save that person? And is he a moral monster because he wants to punish these people for where they grew up? Yeah. These are the hard, like yeah. heavy yeah. questions that yeah. I don't have a good answer to, if I'm no. honest. Yeah. And I and I and I see where like some of those hard questions come out in this yeah. conversation. Well, yeah, to that, I mean, does God want, yeah. right? I mean, that's even, I'd like press there and right. ask a question back. And I've found a lot of comfort. I think it's first Peter, um, you know, God desires all to turn toward repentance. Yeah. Um, right. I mean, there's, I, there's a, I think there's a sense in which God's heart uh, is deeply burdened and broken uh, for those that, have persisted in rejecting yeah. him and his ways have persisted in rejecting the the free gift grace right. the free great the free grace gift offer of his yeah. son Jesus and the full life the abundant life that's available in him i think that that uh grieves god deeply yeah um and so uh but that, that, i mean that doesn't that does not that, that there's not really a satisfying quote unquote no. answer to that. Now, when I'm asked that question, I, I will often say, look, I believe hell is real, but I don't like it. And, mm. and often, like, I don't really necessarily think you should like it. I, there's a quote by C.S. Lewis. He once said that the people who creep him out the most are the people, not the people who believed in hell, but the ones that liked it. And probably by liking it, they secretly know someone who they wish was there. Mm. Um like hell should grieve our hearts yes, yes. and it should be upsetting um, to us in a sense. I think like that should motivate us to some extent. And I, again, I don't know that the, the evangelism that was really effective in one time was the sort of the afterlife question. Like, yeah. Hey, 
you. Right. If you die tomorrow, where, where are you going to be burning in hell? Like, I, I don't think, think there's a better question to yeah, ask right. in evangelism. And I think yes, uh, today, but at the same time, yeah. I almost think the pendulum has swung so much yeah, that sure. we don't talk about yeah. it mm-hmm. and think about mm-hmm. it. And, you know, in the same way that hell can um, certainly be something that should be on our, our minds or something we think about, like heaven is a motivator in the same way. Oh, gosh, yeah. And maybe yeah. in my mind, a better one. Right. Um, yeah, no, I think that that's exactly right. Yeah. It's like, that's maybe to the original question. I, I said, Hey, there might be a couple components missing. And I said, sin and judgment. Um, and I said, Hey, I want to talk more about this idea of sending God sending. Um, at least I'd want to discuss it more. I don't know that I would disagree that God's quote unquote sends people to hell, but I'd want to ask or say, Hey, again, let's talk about sin. Let's ask the question, why is someone in hell? Um, and then I think that's another missing component in all of this is there's uh, a focus on hell, which is we should do that. It's an important conversation, an important question. But in terms of a, maybe another missing component or a better question we could add is, well, hey, what, what's, uh, what's, gonna, what's really exciting about heaven? Yeah. What's really exciting? And there's so much to talk about with that better question. Let me ask you this question. If you, so you have kids. Yes. What are your ages of your kids? Uh, Bevan is seven, which okay. is super helpful because it rhymes Nice. <laughs> uh, for another six months. Uh, Owen is five and Ethan is like almost two. Dang, dude, they're getting old. Okay. I know, it's crazy. So if you were to describe to Bevan and Owen heaven and hell, how would yeah. you do it? Oh, man, we were just literally this week at bedtime. Okay. We were talking about heaven. Yeah. And, I, you know... I mean, we don't have a lot of details about either one of these next quote unquote chapters, Mm -hmm. but I think a lot of times the sort of broad cultural thought about heaven is almost more of uh, like what, what happens in the time when we die in this life and before Jesus returns in triumph for his second coming, Um, which that's, obviously relevant and an important question, but I wonder if our focus is there a little too much because the chapter after that chapter uh, is just extraordinarily hopeful. Mm. And it's this idea of heaven coming to earth and a remade and reborn earth. Um, And so we talked about that with Bevan and Owen. Dude, the kids are smart. Well, yeah, I mean, sure, they are. And it, we've used that language with them pretty consistently, yeah. heaven coming to earth. And it's, you know, they, they can't quite, and I can't either, like what does a remade earth, because the, the sort of the hope of that is that nothing ever breaks ever again. Mm. Um, no tears unless they're tears of joy, no death, no sickness, uh, no mourning, no no grieving, uh, no sadness, no yeah. like none of that. It, it's just not there, and we we can't even begin to fathom that. Um, yeah, dude, this is the difference between your parenting skills and mine. You tell your kids all this stuff. I tell mine, dude, heaven is where you get to play video games with dad forever, <laughs> and that all the toys are there. And hell means you're in timeout forever. <laughs> 
Well, and I did. So actually, hell came up. Yeah, you're right. I, now that you said that, because and it, it, I didn't say timeout forever. I did make a parallel between, like, we use a lot of consequence language yeah, in, yeah. Our, in our punishment in our in our um, parenting, and uh, and so I, I talked about right. So the theological phrase yeah. that literally exists in our uh, our the EFCA's. Uh, 10 uh, statement is punishment mm -hmm. and my five-year-old was like well what's that word and i said you know said well you know we, we talk a lot about consequences like hell is the eternal consequence and really how i tried to frame that with them is hell is the the one place where god isn't mm, because that's good because we talk a lot about how god is everywhere which breaks all of our brains right but you're trying to lay out these theological concepts with your kids in simple ways that they can understand and they really do start to grasp it. Like you have to remind them like what the Trinity is. <laughs> like the Trinity is God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy spirit. And God, by way of his spirit is present everywhere. The one place where God is in his hell. And that is what the eternal consequence of hell is. That's what the eternal punishment is, is complete separation from his presence. Yeah. And we like non-Christians that are living today and people that don't follow Jesus are still in some set, in some meaningful way, enveloped by the presence of God in this mm. world because of common grace, right. because of God's um, uh, omnipresence, and none of us <laughs> have any idea what that experience is like. Other than to, I mean, it's the ultimate timeout. <laughs> yeah, it's the I, ultimate cosmic timeout. Got it right. And the eternal. I, I think you did. I think yeah. that's, and it. Right. And think about what a timeout is. It's actually, it is a removal from the presence yeah. of a father and mother. And a punishment. Right. It's a punishment that see, that's like you you sit there yeah. away from my presence. And, and so there's something, there's something there. I mean, all of these metaphors and analogies fall short right. at some point because there's, there's mystery in all of this. And mystery is not bad. Yep. Mystery does not mean that we don't, that we're not rigorous in our, uh, in a, in election, it, we're not rigorous in our question asking. And, you know, mystery does not mean there can't be room for doubt. And certainly mystery does not mean that there cannot be room for really good questions. Literally, that is this entire podcast. Yeah, <laughs> is absolutely. us just trying to ask better questions no, about no. all this. And so, but at the end of the day, too, it's like, yeah, there's going to be some mystery yeah. in all of these. Yeah. And that, that's a word I really like related to this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes in my in my mind, I'm like curious. Like I don't, I do not want to go to hell. Mm. But like, also, like, what if, what if, what if hell's like you get there and there's like a water cooler and you, you pour yourself some water, but it's like boiling water <laughs> and like there are a bunch of crabs cheating well, your feet. <laughs> I mean, I so I, I actually have not. Have you watched The Good Place? Yes. So I need to. I oh my gosh. I've watched a couple episodes, but the it's whole amazing. hook of that is sort of that it ends up being. That's the twist. You just right. gave away the whole I'm so twist sorry. of the first season. It's been out a bunch of years. No, though, and right? still it's like spoiler spoil alert, yeah, hashtag yeah. spoiler alert. But no, for, that, that show does but, a really good job yeah. um, trying to sort of depict hell in a humorous way. Right. And they think they're in heaven is the right. funny thing. That's the hook. Yeah. Um, the twist at the end of season one, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's yeah. very funny. I only watched the first two seasons, but it's very funny. Yeah. And I mean, I, I maybe even shouldn't have brought up a show that I haven't watched all of. But I think my point was that there is even a, a broad cultural interest 
in hell. And uh, some they people want to imagine just like you were right. <laughs> imagining, like what is that going to be like? Yeah, you know, and and is it um, is it in any way a motivator to not want to be there? Like, is yeah. that is that why we're imagining it? You know, either as Christians or in our parenting, or you know, even in shows like The Good Place. And to me, that's like. Uh, you know, is imagining how bad hell might be a motivator to not want to be there. Maybe, sure. I'm, I suppose it is. I don't want to say it's not. Yeah. But gosh, I just, that's like, um, this is cliche, but I want to almost say it's like the difference between uh, stick and carrot, right? So stick is hell. Like, is that a motivator to not want to be in hell? Sure. But maybe even more effective is the quote unquote carrot of heaven. Mm. Because it's, it, again, it's this idea of God's presence and how yeah. good and sustaining and life-giving and beautiful and incredible and transformational God's presence is. And so, sure, like hell is the one place where God's presence is not, and that is the time out of it all. That's right. the punishment of it all, the consequence of it all. But like heaven on earth is the place where God's presence is fully. And just right. as we don't know... Um, what it is to not be in God's presence completely, which is again what hell is, uh, we we can't imagine that. We cannot even begin to imagine the goodness and wholeness and beauty and transforming power of God's presence fully, yeah. which is heaven. So to me, that's the better that's the better motivator. So you kind of already answered this, but before we actually have a heaven question that was sent in by Julian. Before we get to that. Um, let me ask you, I mean, you kind of already did, but like, what is heaven? Mm. Is it is it a place we go? Is it, you mentioned heaven on earth. Is it clouds and harps and babies and arrows? What is yeah. it? Yeah, no, I think, I mean, so you kind of have the, um, like the intermediate state mm -hmm. uh, as a, a shorter, quote unquote, shorter chapter uh, where, we we die uh, and in this life and our bodies stay here on earth and our souls our inner beings uh they go they go somewhere mm -hmm. uh and so could we say that that is a place sure um that's a place uh but the final picture of heaven and i think a lot of times that is what people imagine as heaven right. or even use the language of heaven but i think immediate intermediate state is more helpful because it, 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 uh, and that, I don't want to diminish that. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't want to diminish the goodness of that, that right. the intermediate state. Paul says, the apostle Paul says, uh, for me to die is gain. And yeah. his logic is if I die, it's gain because my soul is with Christ. Right. Um, so I don't want to diminish, I don't want to be like, I'm like, intermediate state. Yeah. Um, I, I want to raise our vision towards the chapter after that, which is Revelation 21 and 22. And there's echoes of this in the Old Testament, Isaiah mm. 60, 61. Um, but the final picture of the chapter that never ends is heaven on earth. It's God remaking earth yeah. um, and him dwelling fully with his people. I mean, in the in the sort of imagery of the end of Revelation, yeah. there there is no temple, there is no sea, there's no sea, which is an image of chaos. There's no more chaos, no mm. more brokenness ever, and there's no temple, which the temple uh, from actually the very beginning of Genesis is sort of the con 
almost quote unquote, the container of God's presence. Well, we don't need a temple anymore. There's no container. We don't need a container. We don't need a temple because God is here in full in a way that he really never has been. And that is the sort of final picture. And it's, it's the, it's the moment, right? Where, where sin is uh, destroyed in its, in its full and can never return ever again. Um, Yeah. That's heaven. There's a, I did a sermon a long time ago in that passage in revelation and there are seven no mores. Yes. In Revelation 21, there's no more sea, death, mourning, weeping, pain, curse, and night. Oh. Interesting. That's an, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, and seven is what? In biblically, yeah, number of completion. Number of completion, the perfect number of completion. Mm-hmm. So the intentionality in scripture just always, always blows me away. I know. Um, so let me ask the question that was sent in. This is by, from Julian. Um, and it, We've sort of semi-answered it a little bit, but we can go a little deeper on it. And there's some rabbit trails that might take us. So here's the question that was sent in. Do Christians go to heaven right after death? And the follow-up, what about people who are medically dead but get revived? Mm. And I'm thinking like the books that are written for people who like, I went to heaven for an hour and saw my grandpa and then came back. Or even like there's a one book that was like 90 minutes in hell. Right. It's like, and interestingly enough, <coughs> excuse me, some of these books, I think, are literally claiming that they went to heaven and then like the, the one kid who wrote the book, Heaven is for Real, like later in life was like, yeah, I made it all up. And so obviously there's some, well, they're, they're selling books, but a few of them don't claim they went to heaven but claim a vision of heaven, which we have multiple examples in scripture, in scripture of visions of heaven, specifically to John and, and well, and Paul and Paul says I was caught up into the, yeah, his language. Yeah. And so what, anyway, just throwing that up there. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah. Gosh. Oh man. That's right. There are, there's ample biblical evidence of God granting visions. I mean, gosh, just all over the place. And so how could we, how could we sit here and say, oh, well, <laughs> you know, yeah. God doesn't do that anymore. Right. Or, you know, I, we can't. Uh, it is so myopic <laughs> of us and yeah. narrow of us to say, oh, God doesn't, God doesn't do that. Like, how could I limit God to anything? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, we also should, uh, quote unquote, answer with great, uh, trepidation because yeah. c- conclusions in these types of questions are, I mean, actually, if you, if you're listening to someone or reading someone that is claiming definitive conclusions in this, in these arenas, like yeah. just that's tread carefully. And I'm not saying we can't know things. I mean, right. I've, I've made some definitive statements and some declarative statements in this podcast, Yeah, but it's like, gosh, the, even the question, what about people who are medically dead and then revived? Mystery. Right? Yeah. Mystery. That's, that's probably a good yeah. way to, mystery. to define it. And mystery. I, although I really do like your inclusion of sort of the idea of divine visions in yeah. the midst of this. Because I think that has a lot of scriptural basis. So that's a better question. First Thessalonians 5, yeah. 21, test everything, hold on to what is good, avoid every kind of evil. I think we have that that's posture great, with these things. Yeah. Because I do think um, 
you know, if someone claims that they went to heaven and they have this crazy detailed thing, it's going to sell books. It's yeah. going to make movies. It's going to make movies, yeah. And yeah. it's going to play into yeah. people's desire to know the mystery when some things I think were meant to be ineffable. Yeah. As, I mean, we can we can know, like, what do we know of heaven? Well, we know it's a new Jerusalem. It's it's a city. Yep. It's a it's a place. There's physical matter to it. Right. Yeah. There's like, they even describe dimensions. Yeah. Which I actually did a deep dive on this uh, with my Revelation series. It's really big. Yeah. Like Morgan, who was on the podcast last Monday, has this jean jacket thing on the back. It says, make heaven crowded. And I always think about that because I'm like, it would be really hard to make heaven crowded right. unless God is like really generous. Right. You know what I mean? Because the, the, the description of how big it actually is if it, it's probably just figurative language but yeah if it was literal it's still pretty big well and it, i mean what i love about that comment is we know that god is generous yeah like nobody is more generous than god yeah. and actually even in a discussion about hell and yeah. sort of the difficult reality that yes people i believe people will spend eternity in in hell separated yeah. from God's presence because of their sin and rebellion against him and his ways, their rejection, their persistent rejection of, of Jesus's offer of salvation in his life, death, and resurrection. But even in a podcast about that, with that as the initial question, yeah. I, I want to like land a heavy note of emphasis on God's gracious generosity. Mm, that's good. Here's, here's one of the other better questions yeah. about hell. Um, no, this is just a maybe a better statement. Uh, we all deserve it. Mm. (laughs) and and that's kind of back circling in around this idea of sin like how how bad do you think sin is generally and how bad do you think your sin is specifically um and when you really start looking at that like just go read isaiah 6 like again another vision uh of isaiah seeing god and his response is actual horror at how bad his sin is. Um, I'm an unclean man. I have unclean lips and I come from an unclean people. And you start to sort of see, oh my goodness, like I deserve hell. I don't deserve heaven. And, you know, being saved from, from hell isn't the ultimate mercy. And being saved for heaven is the ultimate grace, the ultimate yeah. generosity. And so to the question, the first question of the heavens specifically from Julian, uh, we did already talk about that a little bit. Um, I think what, whatever we call it, I probably would prefer intermediate state and reserve the language of heaven versus the, the ultimate final chapter of God coming to earth uh, and remaking earth and yeah. heaven come to earth the meeting up of these two sort of spheres, earth and heaven, um, and the remaking of earth because of its brokenness. It's groaning, as Paul says in uh, Romans 8. Uh, But what we do know is that, I mean, Jesus says to the thief on the cross, today, with immediacy, today you you will be with me in paradise. I was thinking about that earlier. To that specific question, do Christians go to heaven right after death? Because I always think about the idea of soul sleep, like, you know, you're just kind of floating and like someday you'll, you'll go when everything's remade. But that is that moment on the cross where Jesus says that and he's like today, today. Yeah. 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 So I think so. I mean, they, yes, we are, 
our souls are present with Jesus. And again, there's mm. just great mystery yeah. with what that looks like. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's good stuff, dude. Uh, the great, I got another C.S. Lewis quote for you. It was actually a C.S. Lewis scholar who knows, knows way more about him than just about anyone. Um, when he was asked a question, he says, what do you think your first words will be when you get to heaven? Mm. And he says, most people think we'll go, wow, like, this is amazing. But he's like, no, that's, that's wrong. He says, when we enter glory, the first thing that comes out of our mouth will be, oh, like, we will be completely shocked. Mm. And it's just this idea that, like, it's going to be so different than how we yes. expected. You know, the questions I get all the time from students when I was in youth ministry was, will my dog be in heaven? Will I see my friends? And these are like natural human yeah. questions. Will we have names? Will we, you know, what body will I get? Will it be my teenage body? Yeah, my adult? Like, a good, so good many question. questions we yeah. don't really have the answer to. But I think the point of the Lewis quote is like, it's going to be so much better and like shocking probably than we could have ever imagined. Oh yeah. That's and that to me, um, when you know, the name of the podcast is better questions. Sometimes we aren't answering questions as much as we are kind of like cultivating wonder. Yes. And like in this case, I think that's even the form of worship. When we yes. think about heaven, um, it sort of creates that, that space of like, wow, I don't know what it is, but it's going to be amazing. Well, and I love that phrase cultivating wonder. And it is, it is a lot that in my mind, that phrase is right next to this idea of how I've been talking about mystery. Mm-hmm. Like mystery is a good thing. Mystery yes. is an okay thing. Like let's cultivate some wonder and imagination is not bad, mm. but let's like hold any conclusions uh, pretty loosely. Now there are places we can anchor and like put uh, roots down really deep because God's word is really clear on things. And I, I believe and think that God's word is clear on the reality of both heaven and hell and who, who ends up where, why. Yeah. I think there's clarity on that. But there's a lot of other things that I think we can, we can hold loosely. Yeah, absolutely. Let me kind of wrap up this conversation. I, I was just thinking like, what would be your, as a pastor, what would be your pastoral word um, to someone who maybe hell isn't this future reality, but maybe their reality on earth feels like hell. Mm. Because I know that for a lot of people um, <sighs> living in this world, sometimes yeah. um, this place may feel like they're being punished, yeah. whatever they're going through. So if you were to give someone wow. a pastoral word of encouragement, wow. what would you say? And I'm putting you on the spot here, but. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the... <sighs> The deep privilege of pastoring is, man, people are so generous with their stories. Uh, and I haven't been a pastor, I mean, 15 years, something like that. So I've hopefully got a long way to go. Uh, but over those 15 years, numerous people have yeah, opened up their world and privileged me with their stories. And you do hear a lot of stories that sound like hell. Um, and I just, I just take every single one of those really seriously. Yeah. I'm thinking about a lot of them right now. Um, 
And I think my pastoral response is, um, hey, whatever this is, and I don't, I don't know because I'm not God. One of the things I know is that it doesn't mean that God doesn't love me. Mm-hmm. Um, does not mean that God doesn't love you. Does not mean that God isn't for you. Um, and all we need, all we need, um, the most compelling evidence of God's pervasive love is exists in the cross yeah. of Jesus. Um, that is, that's God's son hanging there for you and hanging there for me. Um, Because again, we're back to sin, right? And God could have given up. He could have hit the reset button, but he didn't. He instead pursued, 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 pursued uh, to the point of, you know, we talk about God sending, sending people to hell. That is something I hold loosely. I think there's some other ways we can talk about that. We certainly have. I do know, I do know one person that God sent somewhere. Yeah. God sent Jesus here. Yeah. To live the life I couldn't live, to die the death that I deserved because of my sin, stood in my place. Uh, but because he never sinned, <laughs> was able to defeat the death I deserved, rose from the grave, clutching my freedom from hell and from sin in his hand offered to me and offered to you and all of us. And so um, that'd be the pastoral word of encouragement yeah. there is uh, just look to Jesus and look to Jesus's yeah. cross. That's good. It's a good word. And I would say to add to that, the hope that all of our present sufferings in this life um, and struggles were, you know, not something that, Jesus said wouldn't happen. I mean, he said, in this life, you will have trouble. Um, But take heart, I've overcome the world. And there is a hope for the Christian that is beyond the material world, which is heaven, as we've been talking about, where there's zero injustice, zero pain, zero racism, zero hatred, zero abuse, zero injustice. Like every single broken space uh, will cease. And... um, a world where every child has a loving parent like it's like you know hard for us to fathom in the moment especially if you're going through such a difficult thing but there is a hope for the christian beyond this world um and uh yeah it's good stuff paul that was awesome thank you for that yeah um thanks for just taking the time to to hash these questions out um, are there any final final thoughts? Anything you wanted to get in before we close this conversation? Um, any final sage golden nuggets? No, I, no. I mean, uh, you know, I just maybe am compelled to actually read Revelation a little bit. Yeah. Of Revelation, do it. If that's okay. So I'm pulling it up here. Yeah, it's such a glorious vision. Um, so yeah just seems like a good place to end this pod Revelation 21 verses 1 through 4 the vision of the apostle John then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more 
And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither there shall be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Paul. It's been an amazing time together. And uh, we look forward to you coming back. Yeah. And uh, I just want to say thank you for tuning in. Uh, This is the Better Question podcast. Um, If you're listening to this episode, it is a Monday. We have another one on Thursday. And you can send in your questions to eastminster.org slash betterquestions or betterquestions at eastminster.org. And uh, we'll hopefully see you on Thursday. Thanks. Grace and peace.